एंड वी आर लाइव फॉर अनदर एक्साइटिंग एपिसोड ऑफ द टेनिस गैलेक्सी पॉडकास्ट द सेकेंड राउंड ऑफ विम्बलडन इज ओवर निक केरियस वर्सेज राफेल नडाल मैच इज ऑल्सो ओवर एक्सप्लोसिव पर्सनल ग्रज इट हैड एवरीथिंग इन इट एंड राफेल नडाल टू बी वेरी ऑनेस्ट यू कैनॉट से प्रिवेल्स बट ही पासिस द निक केरियस टेस्ट आफ्टर ऑल द ड्रामा एंड एंटिक्स दैट वर सीन ऑन सेंटर कोर्ट आई एम योर होस्ट प्रसाद एंड प्रकाश एंड राजके इन द हाउस टू डिस्कस द सेकेंड राउंड ऑफ विम्बलडन एंड गाइज द मेन फोकस ऑफ द सेकेंड राउंड मेन्स action is all about kirios nadal on center court the drama that unfolded so i'm very curious to hear from you guys i know <laughs> there are some points which we shouldn't be making but there are some that should be addressed and uh, we do it now so rajke uh, let's start with you um, nadal versus kirios did you expect kirios to take a set of nadal well i expected him to take a set or less of nadal I didn't think that he would be Nadal if you remember what I said the last time we spoke and I thought it may even be a straight sets win for Nadal so I was happy that Kyrgios took a set and the other two sets were close right tiebreakers I think the third mm. set tiebreaker was crucial if Kyrgios had won it the whole outcome may have been different but once he lost it it was always going to be difficult because even if he won the fourth set he would have had to go into five sets mm. and then it becomes a battle of fitness and Kyrgios would be the first to admit that he's not the fittest player on tour so i never saw him winning that after he lost the third set and that's what really happened in the end yeah and um, uh, correct the third set tie break was so close and that really determined the outcome because um, uh, as you we were speaking before the game you know uh, as to nick kirios just being a serve bot and uh, finding it difficult to you know win points on the return all he relied was on tie breaks and by the way nadal had never won a tie break against kirios and he won two in the same match so that makes it's it 5-2 it's a good time two. to start winning <laughs> tie breaks yeah, yeah it's a good time very good time because uh, that third set was like, that the third third set the entire match felt personal but that third set was more than anything because you know uh, kirios hit a uh, a shot straight at uh, nadal's stomach and i think if he hadn't raised his racket At and test, I think. Yeah, so. and Nadal was so furious. Seven seconds stare down, and I think that really ignited him. Uh, he got the crowd uh, behind him after that, and uh, really took and the Kyrgios match said away. In the press conference, that he had every right to do it, he would not have apologized. And Nadal has decent hands, so he was able to get the hands, the racket, in the way. So that's the way Kyrgios sees it. It's uh, he's a funny guy, Kyrgios. We all know that. Prakash uh, Kyrgios versus Nadal did you watch the match last night Yeah I followed that match and uh, I guess uh, as we all expected no Kyrgios he had his moments but you know really didn't uh, uh what do you say capitalize on them or like his fitness or other things you know those things all finally caught up you know which was going to be the case you know for a grand slam match of that magnitude you need to be prepared in all sense and uh, uh kyrios is definitely you know he's got the game but you, know, you got to there's so many other factors nowadays in modern day tennis that you have hmm. to cover your bases in you know? and i think yeah that's what we saw where the more professional player won the match uh, yeah so uh, prakash everyone's talking about the underarm serve 
and mm-hmm. uh, Kyrgios used it last night. Yeah, uh-huh. I think he won two points. Yes, two two of them. One in which Nadal didn't know, uh, and both the game, both the points actually won them him the game. So, uh, can you describe how if this and un- how this underarm serve is a legit tactic? It's and uh, is it within the rule is, is it within the rule books because i have i have some questions i'm completely addressing it as the questions have yes it's completely within the rule book some people would say it's against the spirit of the game i don't understand that i feel it's completely within the spirit of the game uh, if that's against the spirit of the game then probably a drop shot should not be allowed as well because that's also you know the opponent is standing behind and you're doing a drop shot if that's allowed i don't see why an underarm serve is not allowed however uh, it's got to be used sparingly particularly for somebody who has such a wonderful serve as nick kyrgios you know he can bang down an ace right mm. uh, and so you don't want to be serving too many underarm serves because you're taking your biggest strength Uh, away from you so i think the way kyrgios used it was brilliant right i mean you just use it to make sure that rafa doesn't stand a mile behind the baseline so you draw mm. him up to the baseline which then makes your normal serve uh, much more difficult for nadal to deal with because he has to be closer to the baseline i think it's a fantastic tactic and of all the things that nick kyrgios has done this year i think he's done a tremendous service to tennis uh, by having generated this kind of a discussion around the underarm serve and most people uh, that i see agree that this is a legal tactic and so giving some kind of acceptability to that would be one of kirio's biggest contributions this year mm-hmm. and uh, prakash uh, you mentioned in the group that uh, if the, the course was slower and uh, you're tired of seeing these baseline grinders wearing down the aggressive attacking players can you elaborate more on that Oh, well, I mean, it's been uh, for a while now, you know. I would say since the uh, 2012 Australian Open final, where the, I think Djokovic and Nadal uh, went for around six hours plus. And uh, I think, I mean, I understand why the courts were slowed down. Uh, people were tired of uh, matches, you know, where uh, uh, there were uh, not many rallies. But then I think the 2012 uh, Australian Open final was... Uh, indicator that i think they slowed it down too much and given other conditions right that players are uh, much more uh, faster now and the rackets they get to use i think all these factors i think they have swung the pendulum a little too far the other side and right now if you look at it uh, you see uh, i mean the aggressive players i feel even on the indoor courts and stuff you know they do not i mean you have to hit like uh, quite a few you know winners actually to really get the point to win a point and uh, the defensive players i think are much bigger edge and i think we need to find more balance that way hmm. because i am a supporter of uh, you know aggressive and attacking style in sport i do not think yes defense has its place but i think eventually good aggression and uh, and uh, attacking attitude needs to be rewarded and uh, yeah the way to go yeah rajke anything you would like to add there or counter or whatever yeah um yeah i think all four grand slams should not play on the same speed i don't think it's right now whether that speed is too fast i wouldn't like that either if they're all too slow i wouldn't like it either so i would like a difference 
between the Grand Slam surfaces in terms of speed. So I agree that we need more variety on the ATP tennis uh, tour. And like whether you prefer aggressive or defensive, tennis is a personal preference and that's fine, but we need to see both. And, and so in that sense, I agree that we need more variety in terms of the court speeds. Fair enough. Uh, stat alert here. And uh, Nick Kyrgios last night hit just the second fastest second serve in history. 143 miles an hour. One off Evo Karlovich records from 2007. So that's been quite a long time, isn't it? 12 years. Uh, but um, to wrap Kyrgios versus Nadal, uh, Rajki, uh, the question for you is, uh, Nadal seemed so composed and, you know, he did, do, uh, he, he made his racket do the talking instead of the vocal cords which Kyrgios was using to distract him. Uh, how much will this heaven help Nadal in his quest for another Wimbledon title? So, in the sense that he's beaten someone who has beaten him before at Wimbledon, that's going to give him a lot of confidence. Having said that, Nick Kyrgios is a very different kind of player. So, beating him does not necessarily tell you anything about his chances against other players, other more normal, in quotes, players. Like, you know, for example, Federer or Djokovic or even Query. You know, they're not going to play him the way Nick Kyrgios does. Mm. All these guys are more professional. They're going to put in more effort. So mm. you're going to see few, fewer of these mad moments. So it's, it's good for Nadal that he overcame Kyrgios, but I'm not exactly sure what that tells us about his chances when he plays a more conventional opponent. Probably nothing. All his matches are going to be new matches. So it's good that he won a match, but this doesn't mm. tell us much about yeah. his chances. Prakash, uh, Kyrgios' behavior throughout the years and the way he's... Uh, becoming famous for his antics as, uh, apart from rather than his tennis you know um, what does he have to do what does you, uh, as you rightly mentioned in one of the tweets you know it is so difficult to harness talent uh, can Nick Kyrgios ever go on and win a grand slam with such an uh, if he improves his attitude if there's a big if I tell you right and uh, so the good news is that you know, people are winning grand slams even uh, well beyond into their thirties, it was not. It's not as bad. It was like if you look from the, I guess the after corners, right? I in the eighties till about maybe mid two thousands or like you know, or even like you can say till uh, Federer entered his thirties. That's almost like thirty years. Uh, uh, people were not. I mean, once you pass like twenty eight or something. Uh, it was kind of tough to win Grand Slams. Agassi was the exception, but also there were a lot of years in the middle that he kind of, uh, you know, you can say escaped or he was not able to play for various reasons. So he had a longer career to earn uh, or he was able to win Slams after 30. Hmm. But now again, we see with this, uh, with Federer and now Nadal and Djokovic, that that kind of age restriction is uh, not so much. And of course, you see even other players, right? Karlovic is uh, what forty plus and is still playing, mm. and is doing putting up decent records. So I think so. Kyrgios has a longer window. That's a good news, you know. But of course, the bad news is that you know we have been here. We've been talking about this for almost the last five years, you know, since he announced himself with that win over Nadal. So everyone and I think uh, yeah, basically everyone has given all sorts of advice 
but again it's all about the implementation and i feel if you look at the history and not only tennis in most sports i feel uh, beyond a level i think it's hard to you know harness the talent it becomes a burden and i think that's what we see with kirios he's got is just gifted and i've heard so many experts who think he is pretty much as uh, talented as a player we have seen in uh, tennis history and so mm, mm, mm. he can definitely win but the path i think it's a really tough path that needs to be taken and only kirios can answer that you know Yeah, and 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 only time and only with time we will know uh, what happens exactly. but uh, but yeah but that's but that's all about kirios nadal such a personal match and if you see the if you if you you won't realize how it personal it was in the highlights only because uh, there was so much going on there was so much talking there was uh, so much the, such a fuss created by kirios to distract nadal moving along when he was serving and nadal standing so behind the baseline <laughs> kirios with that underarm serve <laughs> so everything it had everything the center court was lit and i think the people got their money's worth but uh, we have to move on to the other players and uh, rajke we are talking here about novak djokovic kevin anderson and felix uh, who actually uh, felix was taken to four sets but that was quite an easy win except, apart from that hiccup and potentially we are setting up for a fourth round tie isn't it between djokovic and felix Yeah, Felix has had a very kind draw so far, uh, so that's going to be a match that I can't just wait to, to see. They're just one match away from each other now, and if uh, Djokovic has to beat uh, Horkats, and yes, I think Horkats. Felix would win his third round match as well. Yeah, Humbert, the Frenchman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, uh, so that's not a very difficult draw, but them meeting in the next round would be quite fantastic. And remember that this is the first Grand Slam. Where Felix has won. This is the first Grand Slam match he has won at Wimbledon. Yeah. This time, you know. Yeah. So to, for him, even if he goes out, it's likely to be in the center court against uh, the number one defending champion, right? I mean, that's just a tremendous way to sort of end one of your early Grand Slams. And make no mistake, this guy is going to be a great player, Felix. Uh, noted, noted. And we can't wait for that because um, we need some people to, you know. Uh, win grand slams and number 18 is number 18 <laughs> apart from everything prakash to talk about the king of grass and uh, he kind of uh, went through in straight sets what did you make of uh, federer's performance i thought i think you were not happy with the second set uh, performance where he was playing casually i think everyone felt he ca- played a bit casually there Uh, I think, yeah. I mean, I still think you know Federer has not hit uh, his best form in grass yet, but uh, he will have to do that fast. You know, he's going to play Pui in the next round, so that would be a real uh, gut check match. You know, so we will know how uh, or where Federer's game really is at when he plays Pui. I feel his backhand uh, is kind of uh, he's making too way too many mm. errors with that. because now i think he's trying to be aggressive with that and uh, on this surface you can slice it a little more you know because grass helps with that but uh, still no you need to have the, the top hand back uh, uh, the top spin backhand and uh, that i think is going to be something you need to look into 
but we'll see. Uh, just the early rounds. That's what the early rounds are for. So you can now warm up into the tournament. And uh, so yeah. far, he has survived. And he's still in there. So we'll know uh, Saturday. You know, we'll get a better picture. Absolutely, the the better picture will be there on Saturday. And Rajki, let's talk about some upsets here. Wawrinka out, Chilich out. Um, what do you, what's your take on that? Chilich going out, especially so early in the second round. So, in some sense, it's a tale of opposites because Wawrinka has been having a decent comeback, but grass is his worst surface. Whereas Chilich has been having a hopeless year, but grass is his best surface. Hmm. Right. I mean, so in some senses, <laughs> this is the opposite stories, but both of them, you know, for those different reasons that, yeah. you know, one, one of them is in bad form and the other is on his worst surface. Both of them went out. And the guy who beat Pavrinka uh, is, for many of us, the the heir uh, in terms of his playing style to John Isner, you know, very tall American player called Opelka. Really Opelka. Opelka. Yeah. In fact, yeah. even taller than Isner, if you can believe that. Right. I yeah. mean, Opilka said recently that he's closer to seven foot than six uh, eleven, so he's that tall, the tallest player ever to play professional tennis, and uh, he is probably slightly better with his movement and his um, baseline game than Isner. So, although Isner went out, we have a mini Isner, mini mini in terms of age, not in terms of height, because as I said, he's taller than Isner. But we have a mini Isner, uh, you know, still in oh, the yeah. tournament. Very oh, yeah. dangerous player. Absolutely, time. absolutely. And um, Prakash, a, a, a couple of words on uh, Basil Ashwili going out, Isner going out, you know, and Sosa mm-hmm. going through. By the way, Sosa and Nishikori has been, you know. Doing going about his business quietly, a bagel in yeah. the third set, <laughs> um, and Ooh. also Jill Simon is out. The the American Sandgren has progressed. So yeah. yeah, just a quick thought. Just a quick thought on Basilashvili and Isner going out. Uh, yeah, I mean Basilashvili, I thought it would. Uh, and I is one of the hard hitters, but I think Grass is never. He hasn't done. Uh, much over the years, I guess. And that kind of uh, got him. And he played a very tough you know, first rounder, winning 8-6 in the fifth. And I think uh, to back it up, it was hard. And uh, Sousa, was, uh, I was expecting Chirich to have a tough match there. But Sousa actually, I mean, routined him. And uh, I'm quite impressed. And Sousa keeps doing this, you know, every now and then he's had runs and... Uh, I, it's good to, I mean, I, yeah, I thought you know, that was a tricky match for Chilich, who I thought would be the f- guy to make the fourth round from, the, from that uh, you know, section. But Susa, uh, yeah, he won in pretty easily. Yeah. And Isner, yeah, Isner is always, uh, he's had up and down here, here, and I don't think he played the clay court season, right? After Miami in the final where he was injured, uh, he did not. Uh, so and he was playing Kukishkin, who has even trouble Nadal a few years back. So it was not going to be an easy match. And uh, yeah, it's never went down. So we've been seeing, you know, we've been pretty big players. We've uh, seen the next gen crop got busted in the first round. Uh, so yeah, grass things happen very fast. It's not easy, you know. They're, but yeah, the top three guys have survived, but the others are like in for a tough ride, I guess. 
Moving on from round two, round two is done. Uh, for the two third of the week is done, and we have to speak about round three and the, uh, quite few uh, exciting matchups there, guys. Starting with uh, you know Nick Kyrgios is out because we let's start with Nadal versus Songa Rajke. It's Nadal's draw is opening up, but uh, do you think Songa will still be a stern test for Nadal? Yeah, Songa is always a difficult player to play on grass, and he played well against uh, Federer last week in Hala. So I do expect it to be a bit of a test. So, and again, when I say it's a bit of a test, test, I'm not saying that Songa is going to beat Nadal. It's similar to Kyrgios. I thought Kyrgios had like a 25% chance, right? So every time you have a match like this, you would favor Nadal because it's 75-25. But if you put three such matches in a row, then he has to win all those, right? So it's 75% yep. times 75% times 75%. That's where the draw becomes important. So when you look at it one match at a time, you may, you may feel it doesn't matter whether it's Songa or some useless uh, player comparatively. But <laughs> if you have one of these, uh, many of these after the other, then there's a chance you may just lose one of those matches. So that's that's why I always felt that the draw is important. Hmm. And it does continue to be difficult. However, we talked about Silic losing and that helps Nadal because Silic would have been next. Uh, but now Silic is out. And uh, Rajke, let's talk about Hachanao, Batista, Agut. We also have uh-huh. Anderson and Paya, yeah. and we have Vardasco and Fabiano. We have Goffin and Medvedev. So it's it's going to be a busy day today. Oh yes, oh yes. I mean, like the bottom half, the draw, like all those guys. Uh, one of them is going to play Djokovic uh, in the semi-final. Uh, sorry, yeah, yes, in the semi-final. So as of now, it does look like it's going to be Anderson, but you have got a lot of very good players in that section. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Khachno. I wouldn't be surprised if it's uh, Medvedev. Sorry, I think Medvedev is supposed to play Djokovic in the quarterfinal, right? Not semi-final. I think yes, we are. That, that the, I was yeah. remembering the previous episode, and right, uh, right, right. yeah, exactly. he's drawn so, quarterfinal. Yeah, so it could be Djokovic may have to play Medvedev and Hatsuno back-to-back or something like that. So his early rounds are not uh, that uh, difficult, but his later rounds may tend to be, uh, you know, a bit more difficult. Federer has had a very good uh, start to the tournament as well. Like Federer's first two rounds, opponents have only played seven matches on grass in their entire career. Mm. So... Mm. You know, I mean, but again, it gets now really tough for Federer with Pui and Berrettini, probably. Correct, so, correct. So. Berrettini and Berrettini knocked uh, out Baghdadis. So, Baghdadis has retired. Yeah. He, his career is over. He's announced his retirement. Of an emotional moment around court number two last night. Um, uh, Baghdadis saying, you know, in his uh, post-match that he didn't want to go, but he has to. Uh, these are tough decisions to make when you've played the sport for so long. But uh, yeah, Prakash also getting our getting our eyes on the, the the matchups on Saturday, which is the other half of uh, the men's side. We have uh, Sam Query and John Millman. That could turn out to be a, um, a match, isn't it? A good match. We also have Souza and Evans, and we have Berrettini Schwartzman. So um, quite a few quite a few good matches there, isn't it? And Sandgren in the form he is, Sandgren faces Fonini. So yeah, a busy Saturday coming up. Yes, and yeah, Sangren and Fonini both are coming off five set wins, and uh, yeah, I think in Sandrin, Sangren's case, uh, he had a two set to love lead before he almost lost the match, and then you know, 
he won like uh, an extra time 8-6 so yeah so Fognini Sandgren that should be a fun match very good yeah nice good matches and of course definitely I think the headliner is still uh, Songa versus Nadal absolutely yeah. <laughs> if uh, yeah if Songa turns up like uh, he generally does well on grass so it could be like a real uh, entertaining match you know because the contrasting styles and songa's aggressive game that should be a very fun match so if you're listening yeah. to this episode it's been you know every we have done everything about round 2 spoken about round 2 and we've built up to what you can expect in the further rounds and mind you this is just round 3 which begins today and uh, there are some exciting matchups right there so even though so there there have been some upsets there are still quite a few games that you have to Uh, matchups that you have to keep your eyes on and uh, giving our viewers a stat nadal just becomes the third player to record a 50 match to record 50 match wins at each of the majors uh, with uh, federer and djokovic both having 60 and i think federer has uh, 70 in all four isn't it prakash if i'm correct me if i'm wrong there yeah. yeah he just uh, at the french open uh, he won his 70th match in the quarter final so Federer is the first ATP player. He was the first of 50 Grand Slam match wins at every Grand Slam, and then, uh, of course, to 60 and now to 70. And Djokovic himself has uh, 60 Grand Slam match wins at each of the four, and now great. Nadal has got 50 at all four. Great, great, great. So, so that's uh, about it. Wrapping up on this episode. I mean, uh, I hope you've loved it because uh, it had the second round had all the drama. We witnessed last night in the Kyrgios Nadal game. Federer safely through Djokovic beating Kudla, and he safely through. Kevin Anderson is also through the number four seed. Uh, talking about some upsets: Opelka uh, beating Wawrinka and Chilich bowing out. So that's about it from this episode of Tennis, yeah, the Tennis Galaxy podcast. Host Prasad signing out with Rajki and Prakash.